to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. In the many interviews we've done in this podcast, you've heard some remarkable stories of people who have eliminated a variety of diseases using cannabis oil. Today, you're going to hear another one. It's about colon cancer, the third most common type of cancer that kills about 700,000 people worldwide each year. And joining us to tell the story of her father, Tom, and his colon cancer is Wendy. They are from Wisconsin in the United States. Thanks for doing this, you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Tom, it's good to see that you're alive and kicking. Oh, yeah. I'm, I tell everybody I'm still standing upright, and that's the main thing. That's good. <laughs> now, in August of last year, Wendy, your father was diagnosed with stage 4 colorectal cancer with metastasis to the liver. Tell us the story. He had started out... Um, I got a call from his doctor that he had to, we had to get him to the hospital immediately. He was um, bleeding profusely and had lost a lot of blood. We didn't know why. Um, gave him a call. He and ran over to the ER. They admitted him right away. Gave him some transfusions of blood. Um, he perked up a little bit. The very next day, they had to put some more blood into him. And they had started running some tests. And a couple of days later, after being in the hospital, they had told us he had rectal cancer and that it was pretty bad. Um, By the time he had gotten out of the hospital, they had said it was a late stage, early stage four. And um, they had also found a spot in his liver at that time. My sister and I along with my mom, had discussed once we heard cancer, um, the immediate response was, we're going the natural route, THC, cannabis. And shortly after that, I had a couple of friends who started giving me information, you know, kind of helping me along the way to figure out what to do, um, how to even go about doing this. And my sister jumped in the car and drove to Colorado in search of RSO. And um, I had been making calls to some of the dispensaries there, getting information, as much information from them as I could. And um, we had found a place that sold recreational, um, which is no different than the medical, the legalized. The only difference is the amount that you can purchase at a time but it's the exact same. So um, we ended up getting him what's called dew drops and um, Colorado's version of Rick Simpson oil. It's Colorado cannabis oil. So we brought that, my sister brought that back. We started dosing him right away and um, 
it was two and a half weeks later, he went in for more tests. And at that point, his liver cancer was completely gone. Rectal cancer did not seem to have changed whatsoever, but the spot that was in his liver, they could no longer find. It was, it like just vanished. It was gone. So what did you do after that? After that, we kept him. Um, we had to build up his dosing. We did, like I said, we started out with the dew drops to kind of get him acclimated, um, you know, used to taking it. From that point, you know, we just worked up, built up more and more, his tolerance more and more. And we kept him on the Colorado cannabis oil. In the meantime, he was still going back to the doctor and the oncologist, the specialist, and they were telling him that without doing chemo or radiation or surgery, that he would have maybe six months at the most to live. So they gave you the old sales pitch. Yes. And I was sitting in the background going, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. (laughs) What was the surgery they, they were talking about doing, Wendy? Um, originally, they had just um, said that they were going to do a colostomy. After he had had chemo and radiation, um, we left the decision up to him because ultimately that was his decision, what he wanted to do. So he did go for chemo and radiation, one round of each. and That was the whole month of October, and I went five days a week for my chemo, and I went five days... Uh, week for the radiation and as far as the chemo I would I only took the pill I didn't take the uh, injected or the pork type but I did the whole month of October I had 25 treatments of each this is October of last year October of 2016 16 yeah, yeah. how did you feel do- doing the chemo uh, I'll tell you the truth it didn't affect me at all as far as physically or anything you know and uh, I, I, I was I was giving him supplements, and he right. was still using the CBD and right. THC. And it, yeah, I had no after effects from it whatsoever. Okay, well, that's probably um, a result of of being on oil, because certainly uh, we've seen over and over that patients that choose to do chemo and radiation, if they're on oil, come through it much much better. He had run out, um, I want to say it was about two weeks into starting the chemo and radiation. We ran out of THC. We ran out of CBD oil. And um, unfortunately, at the time, me and my sister both wanted to drive back to Colorado to get more. But my mom and my dad were worried about that. They didn't want us taking that risk of possibly... Um, getting busted transporting it back. So he went for a while. I want to say it was about a month that he went without any THC or CBD. In this time, I upped, I started giving him different herbals, um, vitamins, supplements to try and um, help. And after his chemo and radiation was over with, he had another appointment they went to check to see what the chemo had done, what the radiation had done. And unfortunately, we found out that it didn't do anything for his rectal cancer. It was um, still completely 
the tumors that he had, he had one large one that was 12 and a half centimeters by six centimeters covering the whole back of his rectum. And then the rest of his rectum was full of multiple other tumors that were ulcering. He had that's a um, large tumor, 12 and a half centimeters by six. Yes. He had also, um, not only was that cancer still there after the chemo and radiation, it came back then that the cancer was in his prostate. It was in his bladder. It was in five to six of his lymph nodes and it was in his colon. Suddenly there was a spot in his colon and the two cysts that he had on his kidneys where they were diagnosed as just benign cysts had suddenly turned into solid masses. He went from having rectal cancer to suddenly now just being loaded with cancer after the chemo and radiation. Did the doctors admit at all that the chemo and radiation may have spread the cancer? They did not admit to it um, in some of his medical reports that I have read through coming from the radiologist and from his oncologist. There is mention in the reports that it does appear that the additional cancers were directly caused by the radiation. So, Tom, I, you know, you had didn't have the phys- the usual side effects. You uh, just ended up with a whole bunch more cancer instead, eh? Uh, yes. I was uh, just, well, deathly afraid because, you know, it had spread so far, and I thought, well, it's beyond hope at that point. Yeah, I was just going to say, what's going through your mind when you go, you've endured this chemo and radiation, and you go to the doctor, and you're hoping for an all-clear or some really good news, and instead you find out that you've got it essentially all over the lower half of your body. Yeah, it was, uh, needless to say, uh, shocking. And uh, They upgraded his cancer at that point to um, stage four, and in each stage of cancer, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of, there's different levels. He was upgraded to one level below... Um, terminal. Yeah, basically being terminal. So what, where, what did they say then? Uh, Wendy, you know, take him home, or did they have some suggestions? Or I'll, I'll answer that. All right. The suggestion that they gave me was go immediately into the hospital... And uh, they wanted to operate on me as far as uh, they wanted to take out my rectum. They wanted to take out part of my colon. They wanted to take out my prostate. They wanted to take out my bladder. And uh, when they told me all of this, I thought, no, I don't want this at all. I mean, I'm 73 years old. I thought, I don't want to go through all of that. Put two pegs in him, one colostomy, yeah, and one urostomy. So basically, they just wanted to um, remove everything in his lower half. And um, they even gave him an appointment with a plastic surgeon. Right. um, Because they were just going to, instead of even having an opening for his rectum, they were just going to completely sew that shut. And they said, you know, it's just going to be like, you know, it's just going to be straight across. You're not going to have an opening. You're not going to have to go to the bathroom anymore. And they said, the worst thing that happens, and I, I kind of have to laugh at this, the very worst thing that could happen 
with that surgery was that where his rectum opening used to be, there was a possibility that it would keep tearing open from normal um, everyday, you know, standing, sitting. Oh, and to God. them, that was the worst thing that could happen. And I thought, you know, that just adds that's to everything else. That just makes it even that much more worse. Yeah. You know, listening to this, it sounds barbaric as hell, yes. what they wanted to do. Yeah, they they basically, it was like, I, I, I look at it this way, it was like a cow going to a butcher shop. Mm-hmm. And they actually wanted to take a, a part of some muscles out of my stomach also and use that to close the opening in my rectum. That's yeah. That was wow. another part of the surgery. Yeah, so basically the only part that he wasn't going to have cut open, they decided that, well, we need to take that, the muscle from the rest of you, so we can reconstruct yeah. some sort of normal-looking butt. <laughs> well, I can't even imagine what the, you know, never mind all of these procedures. What would the recovery be like from something like that? It, it could have been uh, months. It could have been years. Yeah, and then and then of course you're you're left with bags and the whole nine yards. I mean, it just sounds barbaric, as mm-hmm. Ian said. Truthfully, yeah. his health at that point was not very. It, it wasn't good at all. Um, after he had acquired, you know, more cancer, yet um, it became a real big concern and worry that there was a huge possibility that he would have never made it out of that hospital. Right. Had he had that surgery, we're pretty convinced that that would have been his permanent home until... Yeah, death. Yeah, pretty much death. Tom, did, did, did you think you were going to die? Yes. I'll be honest, yes, I did. And at certain point, I had in my mind that I wish I would have died. Because of this, I didn't want to go through all of the, mm-hmm. the surgeries or the pain. or I was just hoping that the end would come back. I, I actually had that thought in my mind. So, what, so what's going through your mind, Wendy, when, when all of this is going down? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, sorry, I, it, it's hard for me to hear my dad say that. Sure. And it was hard to, um, at that time... We were worried um, because of the pressure from the doctors and the oncologists and the specialists. Um, and I can say they are pretty relentless about forcing chemo, radiation, these surgeries. They don't give you time to think. They don't give you time to look into other options. Pretty much at, from the day that they tell you that you have cancer, they have everything set up into place. This is what you need to do. This is what we're going to do on you. This is where you have to go. These are the dates, the times you have to be there. And, you know, you just found out you have cancer. You don't even have time to process that before they start putting these things, basically shoving it down your throat, and then telling you that if you don't do it, you may have six months to live, or you may have this amount of time to live. Mm-hmm. So that all works on a person, and not only for the person that is going through the cancer themselves, but I can tell you as a family, um, it works on everybody. And trying to be strong 
in that situation for somebody who needs you is um, it's hard. I definitely won't lie. We've had a lot of, um, I've had a lot of episodes where I've broken down crying um, because there's so much going on. The thought that, you know, I could lose my dad, not knowing if um, he was going to get scared, what these doctors were going to tell him, um, if he was going to end up going through these surgeries in a panic moment. Yeah, bow to the pressure. Yeah. So, so thankfully, what? he did not have the surgery, and uh, he's you know he's sitting I'm here next here. to me. <laughs> what did you guys do next? Uh, when when I went to the doctors and that, they referred me to a um, urologist. Also, and I went in, and when they they had checked me, he said, "Well, the cancer had invaded the prostate and had it attached to it, and it, it's like uh, cemented to it." And uh, at that particular time, he said, you have to go in for surgery and have that rectum removed. At the same time, we'll go in there, we'll take your prostate out, and we'll take your bladder out. At that particular time, there was no cancer in the bladder or anything. The question I asked the doctor at that time, I said, why are you taking the, the bladder? He said, that's the way we do things. That's the answer I got. I okay, fine, goodbye. That was the end of that doctor. I didn't like the answer that I got. Mm-hmm. Never explained anything, never took the time to tell me exactly why he was going to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. And actually, that ended up working in our favor because, because then, at that point, then steered him completely the opposite direction. Right. And he said, okay. Um, tell which one. Yep. That's and he said, get me, you know, get me some more. Of the THC, the cannabis, I, I mean the CBD oil, and um, I'll start taking it. And um, he changed his diet at that time. He um, cut back on all sugars, all processed foods, went to just as organic as possible, cut out meats. Um, so just basically fruits, vegetables, a little bit of fish, uh, a little bit of chicken here and there. Um, yeah, some shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> he likes shrimp, Let's right? Let's not forget the oh, shrimp. Yeah. I, I really like it now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when yeah. You, you got him started back on oil, did you guys, what did you do? Did, and what kind of oil? Are we talking high THC or one-to-one? Or We are talking high THC at this point. Um, when we were doing the Colorado cannabis oil, it, it was a blend of, you know, there was a higher percent of THC. But the ratio was one-to-one. One of my friends actually steered me in your direction. She gave me your name, Corey. Right. And said, I think she can help. Here's her information. Get a hold of her, which I did. And lo and behold, you returned my um, messages. <laughs> in the meantime, she had helped acquire the THC and CBD that we needed. So we were able to put him back on that. Mm-hmm. And then by the time that batch had run out, we were able to find some more for him. Yeah. So, how, Tom, how was it taking the uh, cannabis oil for you in terms of getting high and things like that? <laughs> oh. I mean, were you, were you an old hippie in the 60s? Uh, uh, okay, let me say We something. were actually anti-drug, anti-marijuana. Uh, okay. 
in, in my day and age, I, I never had anything to do with marijuana, so, uh, so I didn't really know what to expect. Don't touch but, the stuff. <laughs> two times when I was taking it orally, I at, in the evening before bed, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I was I was stoned. <laughs> you know, but, uh, it didn't happen every day. It just on and off. Okay. Tom, and, did you? Sorry to interrupt. Did you do suppositories in the daytime and then orally at night? I did uh, suppositories at night, and uh, no, not the suppository, but the, the syringes. Syringes. Morning. And I did it in the morning and in the evening, and I also did. Uh, I took uh, a capsule in the evening of uh, the THC. So you did some rectally as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We did mainly the, the rectal in the, in the, the morning and the, the night. Okay, because yeah. I, I probably, I suspect I probably told you rectal in the daytime or early at night. We, um, well, I did take your advice, but I upped it. Good girl. <laughs> Good girl. People are so I, afraid to up it, I, you I know. I go into him every direction possible. We had it, um, for a while we were putting it under his tongue, but, you know, if anybody, I can't personally say what it tastes like, but I've heard it, it is not, not delicious. It's not no. delicious. No, no, it's not the not the best tasting stuff. But uh, but hey, our- it works. What was that old commercial about something that tastes horrible but it works? Oh, what was it? Buckley's. Buckley's. Yeah. 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 Buckley's. Yeah. yeah. He, he tasted like kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was rough, but he did it. You know, he um, all of this has been a trooper, and you know, there's been minimal complaints and. You know, when he started complaining about the taste of the oil and he just couldn't get that out of his mouth, um, I felt guilty. I felt bad because I knew that I wouldn't have been able to do it at all. I probably would have gagged, but he just kept on going with it. And I finally decided, okay, I think we can pull off of that one, doing it under the tongue for a while. Um, He was still taking the capsules. And some of those, um, when he was talking about some of the times... Um, he had gotten very stoned. Well, I had posted a cute little story on the Phoenix Tears page. It took me, I don't know how many months, to f- suddenly realize I had it backwards. <laughs> Instead of giving him 60 grams in 90 days, I gave him 90 and 60. The numbers. And I was giving him 90 grams in 60 days. All right. So there's the key to success right there. He did a lot of sleeping. He was stoned quite often. So where's where's he at now as far as the cancer? Yeah. How do you feel now, Tom? I feel great. Uh, I have no pain whatsoever. Uh, My bowel movements are... Not normal yet, but they're returning that to, to a mm-hmm. more normal way. When this all started, I was like, you know, I had like a diarrhea and a lot of blood loss. I have none whatsoever today. It's, uh, like I say, coming back to normal with the stool. So are you cancer-free? I'm not cancer-free yet. But you're heading that way. Uh, he it, has... I'm going to... Let Wendy explain to us what happened with the size of the tumor and everything. She knows more than I do, even though I have it. 
That's why you have a daughter. I've got two beautiful daughters. And my, my sister wife, helped out quite a bit. Right. She, uh, this was a team effort between right. the whole family. My mother, uh, my wife, uh, and my two daughters, they basically they coached me all the way along with this so far. Boy, uh, you, you've I, got three women who love you. And I, we, yeah, I, we I completely overpowered that. him and took over, which I know he yeah. didn't like whatsoever, but, but it needed to be done. So, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, like I told him, I said, I'm trying my damnedest to do everything right. Okay. So, so where is he at now then, Wendy? With his cancer, his latest results we just got this past Tuesday. He has no cancer, absolutely no cancer in his bladder, absolutely no cancer in his prostate, absolutely no cancer in his colon, and there is no cancer in any of his lymph nodes. What about his kidneys? His kidneys... Um, where after his radiation, the cyst that he had turned into two solid tumors. And at that point, they diagnosed him with renal cell carcinoma. carcinoma. Mm -hmm. Correct. His last appointment showed on his left kidney, it has returned to a non-benign, to a benign cyst, non-malignant cyst. Yay. Um, It's back in the cyst stage. But on his right kidney, it is still a solid mass. Okay. We do not know whether it has shrunk, if it has gotten larger. Um, but we do know with his rectal cancer, all of the tumors are gone except for one. The remaining tumor that is there, and keep in mind, he had one large one that was 12 and a half by 6. And then he had seven other tumors attached to his rectum and to the very large tumor, the only thing he has left is one tumor that is now two centimeters. That is quite a difference. So you're heading in the right direction, Tom. Oh, yes, definitely. I, I feel, I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just happy. Ecstatic? Ecstatic, <laughs> yeah. Some of the stuff that doctors do today is, and what you've told me, Wendy, about uh, what they want to do to your father is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, they essentially wanted to hollow him out and have him pack around a couple of bags for the rest of his life if he survived the operation. If I survived. Yeah, that was a big if. Uh, The only drawback that I don't like is I used to weigh 170, 175 pounds. And through the process so far, I've, I've lost about 35 pounds. I'm, right now, I'm at about 140. I would like to try to get up to about 150 and maintain that. How tall are you? Right now, uh, about 5'8", five 5'9", five in that range. Okay, so you want to add, put on a, a bit more weight? Probably about 10 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, it's a byproduct of the diet that right. he's... Uh, I did let him know at the beginning that roughly he would lose anywhere between 25 to 35 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been at that 170 for 40 years, so I was so used to that heavier weight. You know, I look at myself now, I'm you know kind of drawn out and everything, but at least I feel good. I'm, I feel I'm doing great. I have to laugh because out of everything he's gone through, um, now his only concern is his weight. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, that, that's amazing. 90 grams in 60 days. Uh, your daughter screwed up, but uh, she saved your life. <laughs> hey, My all, dyslexia all, kicked in. All I can say is thank you to her for screwing up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, now, how much do you take a day now, Tom? Right now? Well, I'm taking, uh, what is that? We're still, he's still on a gram and a half. Gram and a half? Okay, and I'm taking uh, the rectal two times a day, uh, one in the evening just before I retire and one when I get up in the morning after breakfast. So I'm taking it. Tell you the truth, I just had from here, what was it, a couple hours back. and yeah, about no, two hours ago. There's no, no effect. No, no. Yeah, with the rectal, he yeah. hasn't had any effects whatsoever. I, drive, I go all over. I don't get buzzed up or stoned or whatever. And uh, Just a normal, everyday routine. Well, yeah, you're a quiet stoner. <laughs> okay. Well, here here's something that may be of interest to you. We did an interview last week with a fellow in Nova Scotia who's doing a, a lot of research. He actually cured his MS. Yeah, and Marcel. Marcel. And what he did is he added some hemp seed oil to his yeah. cannabis oil. And uh, what that does, Corey, explain that. What it seems to do is that you need a whole lot less oil. Um the podcast is already up on our um, Cannabis Health Radio site, but uh, he went from taking five grams of oil a day to one fiftieth of a gram. Yeah, and uh, hemp seed oil you can buy in the health food store. Yeah, yeah, or grocery stores. Grocery stores, um, and uh, you know, it's up here. It's only about uh, nine or ten dollars. Yeah, and like uh, it's it's the reason being it's it's an omega three and uh, this guy's research he found out that when you take omega three oils what it does it opens up the CB one and CB two receptors, receptors opens up all of them but if you take coconut oil and other oils it only opens up half, half of, them. of them yeah so it's 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 he's actually got a patent pending on this this is like really big news yeah US uh, US, US patent, patent which I think will be approved in July. That's amazing, and I have to um, say that I do have hemp oil and black seed oil as well, along with frankincense. So when I mix up suppositories and capsules for my dad, I formulate them differently for each time of the day. In some of the THC, I'll add black seed oil. In some of the THC... I'll add the hemp oil, and in some of it, I'll add coconut oil, and then I'll put a drop of frankincense in each one of them. So he's constantly kind of getting a blend of oils, and along with taking um, the omega-3 oils, I've been giving him mm. F- EFA capsules, essential fatty acids. Oh, Dr. Wendy's got it down. Yeah, <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm not taking any chances. So one way or the other, I'm getting all these oils into him. It's because something's got to work. <laughs> basically, they're beating the hell out of me. Uh, we're so sorry, Tom. <laughs> Tom, how do you feel today compared to, say, five or six years ago? How do I feel? I probably, I'm almost like back to normal, I, I think, you know. He actually made mention I, I, yesterday that he feels like he did like five years ago. Right, and... I mean, I'm I'm doing everything like I used to do, other than, well, I'm retired, of course, but around the house, I mean, as far as uh, 
mowing the lawns and working on a car or mm-hmm. whatever they be painting. I'm, I'm keeping active. And climbing a ladder and going up on the roof. Yeah, going up on the roof. Which nobody's happy about. Yeah, they're, they're a little <laughs> upset about that. But What do the doctors say about your condition now? They don't really know what to say. The doctors? Uh, <laughs> last time we went, uh, the, the doctor that I'm going to right now, he's the chemo doctor yet. He's trying to talk me into the chemo, and I won't do it. What for? To me, it's worthless. Okay. Nobody. Well, she means why is the, why is the doctor trying to encourage you to have chemo when your when your cancer is disappearing? Last month, when we went for his checkup, his doctor just briefly went through the images. Didn't really discuss the fact that his cancer was receding. The tumors were getting smaller. And instead of, you know, saying, hey, that's great. Um, It looks like, you know, the cancer's going away. Instead of any encouraging words whatsoever, he turned to my dad and said, now would be the time for you to go in and have the colostomy done. The cancer's small enough where we can get in there and get the surgery. And I bit my tongue, but I just wanted to, um, seriously, I wanted to smack him in the back of the head and go, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, uh... So that kind of, at that point, my dad wasn't sure um, what to think. He was still basically under the impression that we were all trying to hide the fact that his right. cancer was actually getting worse when we were telling him, dad, mm-hmm. it's, it's getting better according to all the reports and everything your cancer is getting better um and it's shrinking rapidly and his doctor unfortunately turned around instead of focusing on that or even mentioning um or even saying good job he said well he had to talk to the radiologist and do a double check then came back in the room and said to my dad um well, now would be the time to get the colostomy done. We got to get you in. And I've, I've got to pay for that cabin. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. And now, when we went to the appointment on Tuesday with the same doctor, um, it, it took a little coaxing of us actually asking him and going, the cancer is smaller, correct? And then he would point out, but there's a spot. But the, the cancer is going away, correct? Or it's gotten smaller. And he, he wanted to skirt the complete issue. And then um, it was my sister that said, uh, she had asked something about, can you just tell us, is this good news? And that's when he turned around and said, yes, this is good news, very good news. Yeah, you said, yeah. And he did not bring up having the colostomy or the urostomy done there was no mention of surgery this time around. This was the first time that he did not push for it. But he did push for my dad to go see a kidney specialist now for the tumor on his kidneys. Other than that, that was it. But he's kind of like dumbfounded because he doesn't know what I'm actually taking, okay? He's scratching his head. He can't figure out how that tumor so much. I go to the appointments and he looks over at me and he's like, because they know um, my mom and dad right at the beginning had said, uh, my sister, she works in the medical profession. Um, she worked as a, a surgical nurse in a trauma center. And I 
um, am not a doctor. I'm not any part of the medical profession. I just for myself have done natural things. I believe in natural. And so my mom and dad had said to the doctors that, well, my sister was in the medical profession and my other daughter does natural. So every time we would, I would go with my mom and dad to my dad, my dad's doctor's appointments, his doctor would turn and look at me and ask me, and what are you giving him? And I would just vitamins and supplements. That's, that's, that's the answer we keep giving that's him. That's all we tell him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. He just looks at us like, because he's not getting any answers out of us, but he knows we're doing something. <laughs> I think he's uh, more of the old-fashioned, you know, and he just doesn't want to go with times, I guess, or, you know. Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately, at the every now and then, and especially at the beginning when my dad did start losing the weight, um, and that's a natural concern for the doctors because that's a natural reaction to the chemo and radiation, um, that's kind of a significant concern when somebody starts rapidly dropping weight like that. So we had to keep explaining to him that my dad's weight loss was only because of the diet that he was on. And each and every time he would turn to my dad and tell him, no, you eat all the sugar you want. You go get yourself a chocolate malt. You eat cheeseburgers, have whatever you want. And mm. I would sit behind my dad's doctor, shaking my head, going, no, dad, no, dad, no. Those are the last things you need to be putting in you. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. If anything, that was my diet before yep. this yeah. all happened. I was a cheeseburger freak, a, a candy freak, ice mm. cream, pizzas, beer, all that good stuff. Let's put it this way. I, I don't, don't do think he's ever eaten a healthy thing in his whole entire life. I think what you should do now, Tom, instead of listening to your doctor, listen to the women in your life, and you'll be fine. You know you know what I think I ought to do? Is listen to you people more. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I've been on, uh, well, uh, Wendy's uh, brought up some stuff here for me uh, on uh, the, the site to listen to yeah and very interesting i let him listen to the cannabis health and, radio. and i'm gonna keep <laughs> keep doing that i'm gonna keep uh listening oh that's great we appreciate it we do it's a fantastic story and it's great to see that you're healthy again tom and you're going to kick this and uh just uh, follow the advice that uh, your daughters and your wife give you and you'll be fine as a man uh, I- as a man you should know that yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't have no say in the matter. That's right. <laughs> and I have to it. say, Corey had a huge hand in this because right. she's the one that um, told me what to do, let me know that I was doing it right. Because in the beginning, you don't really know what you're doing, um, and it's scary. It, it, it is really scary. Yeah. So it was, I can't tell you how comforting it was to be able to talk to Corey in person not only does she just have a naturally comforting voice um and personality but just knowing that i had somebody that was helping me along the way to help him um that made a world of difference because at that point like i said we didn't know what we were doing and i i really appreciated everything that Corey's done for my daughter here and uh, what she's doing for me and my other daughter and my wife and it's uh, to me it's just great everything's going fine and well thank you very much you guys and um, we just want to see you no, get well Tom 
thanks very much, folks. Thank you, guys. Thank Uh-oh. you. It was nice talking to you. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to tell your story about the medical use of cannabis, then send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Also, if you'd like to advertise with us or sponsor our program, also send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has kind of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.